This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. And Except t- we're going to save some for Watson. Yes. So, yeah. So, so uh, Lori, if you're listening um, on... <laughs> February 16th. You already had some. Yeah, like the the, uh, the thing that you could have some of you ate a month ago. Yeah. And what is that thing, Matthew? That thing is Eclairs. Yes, we are talking about Eclairs. That is the, uh, the French pastry that took the world by storm a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> when when was that? I guess we'll find out. That it, We're going to find out. Yes, yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, let's begin on memory lane. All right. So my Eclair memory lane really, you know, I, I know I had Eclairs as a kid. Did I have Eclairs? I don't even know. Like, I remember them as being like a fancy dessert thing that would be really special if you got one. I, I used to I used to occasionally get one at, uh, what was the name of that place down on East Lake? Just, you know, just uh, before the University Bridge that I don't think is there anymore. Oh, that place. There was a bakery there. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess it's if it's if it is, in fact, out of business, it's OK if we don't remember the name. Anyway, you know, that place, that, that French place. bakery. And by by uh, it was on the south side the of south the side University, University Bridge. Bridge. Yeah. But my real Eclair memory lane comes from a few years ago when wife of the show, Lori, and I went to Toronto for a weekend, a mini break. And uh, there was this Eclair place, which is still there, called Nougateau. That's N-U-G-A-T-E-A-U. They specialize in fancy eclairs of many flavors, like two dozen flavors. They've got like cafe au lait, vanilla pecan, matcha yuzu. They did an array of Chinese-inspired flavors for Chinese New Year. And it is the kind of fancy shop. It's across the street from a park. So, of course, I got a, a couple of eclairs. We got a couple of eclairs and ate them in the park. And, you know, they assume you are buying them for gifts and they're quite expensive. <laughs> and so buying them to eat across the street in the park and stuff them into our faces, like we felt like the the rankest barbarians. Yeah, this is I, I've had that experience at Pierre Hermé in Paris. In fact, I, I had the experience with friend of the show, Francis Lamb. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, maybe like supporter of the show. 
show, but I don't know if she'd want to be called friend of the show, Winnie Yang. Yeah. I don't know if you've met Winnie. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I mean, I, Winnie isn't, t- she hasn't been on the show. Oh, right. But, but you I have mean, to be on she, the show to she, be friend of the show, don't you? No, I don't no? think so. Okay, like, friend is of the she show, your Winnie friend? Yang. If she's, she's your friend and she listens to the show, then she's a friend of the show. Okay. I think that I just came up with that definition, Great. but I stand by it. Okay. Anyway, yes, we went to Pierre Hermé once and then went and sat in a park and I have a Polaroid somewhere of Francis biting into like an extremely elaborate, expensive pastry. Uh, one of life's great pleasures is is like buying an expensive pastry and eating it outdoors with people you like. I think all the time about when we got the uh, Pierre Hermé yes. uh, de Millefeuille at uh, at Isatan. And in then we, Tokyo, went, and then we, we went, went up, up to the top floor. Uh, th- to the roof garden. We ate it there. It is messy as hell. And there were jungle crows. And there were jungle crows, like, lurking, waiting to take our scraps. Oh, that was really enjoyable. Was I remember so the bench we sat on. Yeah. Oh, And that dessert perfect. is so good. God, it's so good. Okay. So, uh, actually, you know, since, since we're talking about Paris, I'm going to talk about Paris. Oh, please. So, I remember seeing Eclairs growing up. You know, La Baguette is a French restaurant in Oklahoma City, and they had a little bakery, and there were always Eclairs in there. And I just remember, so I was averse to anything that had, like, a custardy texture. Mm, okay. And I'm, I must have been told that there was, like, a custard in there, and I, I wouldn't go anywhere near it. But didn't we do but, a custard episode where we determined that, like, literally everything is custard? Forever? Uh, yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> anyway, and also growing up, I think that every eclair I encountered had chocolate glaze on top and had like vanilla custard inside. Like if you saw someone eating it or saw someone cut into it, it was always vanilla inside, right? Well, I remember when I was living with a host family in France, there was a boulangerie down the street. It was my first time ever seeing that there could be more than one kind of eclair which I think is now commonplace knowledge among people who like to eat pastries. It was my first time seeing that if there is an eclair with chocolate glaze on top, there will be chocolate pastry cream inside. Ooh. Yeah, this this was what I encountered in boulangeries. If oh, that, that's like a general thing in Paris, that it's not usually chocolate glaze vanilla cream? No, I mean, I oh, think of that as being okay. like kind of a, like eclairs outside of France. Yeah, because I think of that as like the standard, but I didn't know. I mean, you, you might have... A vanilla eclair with a chocolate glaze. But in general, when I go into a boulangerie in Paris, which I have not done now in like a dozen years, when you see what looks to be a chocolate glazed eclair, it will say like chocolat on a little tag in front of it. Okay, Uh, nice. There's also coffee eclairs. Oh, yeah. And if there's one thing I think we don't do enough of in the States, it's like coffee custards. Oh, so good. So anyway, a coffee eclair would have like a coffee glaze, coffee pastry cream inside. And I remember everybody at the time that I was over there, this would have been when I was living with this host family, it was like 99, 2000. I remember everybody was very excited about this Japanese pastry chef who had a pastry shop in France. His name is Sadaharu Aoki. I don't oh, know if I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, Watzel, Watzel said that uh, we're, we're 
Yes, uh, Sadahato Aoki. Okay. Um, that uh, that is uh, one of the one of the patisseries that she is excited about uh, going back to uh, the next time we go to Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. He's still going strong. I looked up his website. Yeah. Anyway, what he was really well known for, at least when I first remember learning about him, is his eclairs, in particularly his various like uh, green tea flavored eclairs. So mm-hmm. a matcha one, a gunmacha one. Nice. Uh, also a black sesame eclair. What he's known for in general is bringing like Japanese flavors into French style pastries. Yes. Uh, all this to say, I never have eaten any of his pastries. Oh. But uh, when I started researching for this episode, I, for some reason, his name was the very first one that came up in my little. You just memory. you just Googled it, Claire. Oh no! In in the in in, in my your, in, in the, my computer Google. of my brain. Yeah. That said, and we're going to talk more about this in a minute, but there's a variation on an éclair that's called a religieuse or a religious. Yeah, I can sort of picture that. And uh, that's the word for a nun. Mm -hmm. And it is, so instead of piping your shoe pastry or your shoe dough into a log shape, like an éclair, they will pipe it into two spheres. Like one big one, one, one little big one, one, yes. one small one, and then they stack the small one on top of the big one and kind of uh, like, you know, cemented in place with a little bit of like frosting or glaze. Isn't that like a common brioche shape also? Yes, yes. I remember stopping after class at the boulangerie down the street from my host family and getting a coffee religieuse. And yes. it was in Incredible, And it's like the great thing about a religieuse is, is, as you can imagine, there's like kind of more pastry cream. I mean, it's bigger than an eclair. Yeah. A true delight. I have a question. Would you say that a Boston cream donut is America's eclair? Possibly. I know. I know. Yeah. It's, not, it's well, not baked, but. No, but it's it's playing on the same flavors. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about what this thing is. Okay. So if you've ever made cream puffs or gougere, uh, what are other places where you use shoe dough? Those those are two for sure. Great. And by shoe, I mean C-H-O-U-X. Yeah. It, it's a, a dough you make in a saucepan. Yeah. Wife of the show, Lori and Totsdi took a shoe pastry class, I think with, with Sunoko Sakai. Okay. Um. Where where they, they they made it and like made cream puffs at home and they were really good and like I find I find the prospect of making shoe pastry so terrifying even though I don't think it's actually that hard. I once in another one of my previous lives when I did that column for Bon Appetit. Yes. God, that was truly ancient history. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was two 2000- thousand. That was back when there were magazines when <laughs> when every magazine wasn't wasn't just like you know a website all, all about Justin Bieber like are a hundred pages of, of full color photos of Bieber. Uh, okay. Anyway, that was two thousand eight to two thousand eleven. Anyway, I did a little essay about Gougere. And that was my first time. So I used that column as a way of challenging myself to try making some stuff I'd never made before, like country pâtés and sausage and stuff like that. And I made shoe paste and it was so much easier than I thought it would be. Yeah. Way easier than I thought it would be. How did someone come up with the idea of like you make a dough, like heat a dough in a saucepan and then bake it? No, I I have no idea where these things come from. Then again, where did somebody ever get the idea to make like laminated pastries? Yeah. Especially like with the sheer volume of butter that goes into like a croissant dough or a puff pastry. Like where did they get this idea? Like that that was 
Like, well, let's just no more butter. No, I mean, no, even more. Yeah. More. Um, have you heard the the uh, great uh, hardcore punk band SVOB sheer volume of butter? <laughs> Jeez. OK. Anyway, so you make your shoe paste or a shoe dough. You pipe it with a pastry bag. And there is like a great art, apparently, to piping it for eclairs, because obviously, you know, you want this like finger of, of wet dough that you're piping, <laughs> but not not a to be shattered finger. <laughs> to be, you know, like the perfectly straight, perfect size thing. But also, if you have done it correctly, it will bake up into a hollow log so right. that then you can fill it with custard. That, that didn't even occur to me that like if you if you make your if you pipe your eclair just like a little bit wonky, like you're not going to be able to sell it. That's correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, like I, I assume that means that that probably if you work in a in a patisserie, you get to like eat wonky eclairs. In, in the back room. I think that a lot of eclairs in the States are way bigger than they are in yeah. France. Yeah, and the ones that in, in Toronto were pretty like like finger size. Yeah, yeah. These, I like I like that. These ones we got today are, are not not like super like I floofy, s- but pretty big. These are pretty big, but not as big as they sometimes get. I right. mean sometimes they truly are like shoe sized. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Yeah, so I know I ordered like the, the size three here. <laughs> Then, so you, you you bake these like little logs of dough. Once they're cool, you fill the... Le Fournil. That was the place. Yes, there we go. By University Bridge. Yep. Uh, once the baked dough is cool, you fill it usually from underneath. You make a couple mm-hmm. holes underneath. And again, use your piping bag to fill this hollow log of dough with custard. You know, I think I did know that they're usually filled from underneath. And yet when you talked about filling them, I imagine someone sticking the the piping bag uh, nozzle into the end and like, you know, kind of like squirting, (laughs) squirting a rope of pastry cream into there. Mm hmm. Yep. Uh, Anyway, so in the U.S., it's most common to see them with chocolate glaze and a vanilla pastry cream inside. I mean, in fact, I think a lot of people like that is what an eclair is for. Yeah. For most Mm -hmm. of us. And then, of course, in France and in fancier bakeries in the States and outside of France, you can now find many different flavors. And it looks like that is what we've got today. Many flavors of eclair. What do we have here, Matthew? Okay, so I uh, went down this morning to uh, Le Panier at Pike Place Market. Uh, which opens at seven o'clock. Yeah, what made you choose Le Panier? Because there are so many bakeries uh, in France. I mean, in there's so many bakeries. <laughs> well, okay. In so first off, France was inconveniently located for this <laughs> but morning. There's so many bakeries in Seattle that make eclairs. Okay. Um. I this is the one that came to mind as probably open early yes. and probably has some classic eclairs. Okay. Um, I did try Bakery Nouveau, and they don't make them these days. Okay. Uh, but Le Panier is like a very kind of old school. French bakery that like you know hasn't hasn't really like updated their menu much since the 80s when they opened in a mm-hmm. good way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've got uh, vanilla with vanilla custard pistachio I don't know the custard on that one we'll find out and a chocolate Wait, wouldn't it be a pistachio custard I think so but it I'm not positive okay. like it's it's clearly a pistachio glaze, glaze with with chopped pistachios on top and then chocolate glaze with vanilla custard okay great so sh- can we dig in yeah, where do we begin? I mean, should we let's begin with, with the, the vin- classic? Let's, yeah, let's start with the classic. Okay, I mean, I, I know that this kind of goes against our cheese plating philosophy because we're starting with the chocolate one, oh, which... Cuts very, very nicely. Oh, 
I do like how it holds up under mm-hmm. the knife. There's no squishing of, of glaze. Okay. Oh, no, no. Oh, yes, it's chocolate it's, filling. It's on chocolate the filling. I was totally wrong. Okay, wait, yeah. Matthew, I'm not going to eat this first then. Hold on. Okay. Don't eat it first. <laughs> <laughs> You'll ruin your palate. Okay. Well, let's do vanilla. Let's do vanilla. No, I'm so I'm so glad this that this turned out to be not what I expected. Okay, should I should I use a different knife so I don't get chocolate on the vanilla? No, I'm just gonna like use a different part of the same There's knife. There's something about this white glaze that is kind of kind of jizzy. Kind of jizzy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad so, you said it. I know. First. I could tell uh, that didn't cut as smoothly as. Oh, God, it's there's something about this glaze that is just really mm-hmm. difficult for me. Mm. This one. So you can see the hole in the bottom mm-hmm. where the, the filling was piped. Doesn't look like it has a lot of filling. No. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not loving this vanilla. Woo, that's sweet. It's very, very sweet. Mm. But kind of kind of good in like a mm-hmm. in like a um, supermarket. Yeah. Cake way. It, yeah, that is what it's like. It's like one of those pudding cakes that you're always posting a photo of me holding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. No, no. This, I actually, this is, this is I actually for me. enjoyed that. I mean, I think that in France this would be an abomination. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, to, that's, that's I, I don't mean to of, be mean, but that that's true of most things sold in the U.S. I'm going to interpret that broadly. Okay. Like like what? Well, um, you you just said most things sold in the U.S. So like. I don't know, like a pair of jeans in the U.S. would be an abomination. I prob- probably like, you know, what do they think of? They, of love, like- a, they love American jeans. OK, fine. Well, at least they did the last time I checked <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> OK, this this looks like uh, this pistachio one looks like it's uh, it's got more filling. Mm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, that tastes like pistachio. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's a more sophisticated vibe. I feel like the cream is a little grainy. Fair enough. I but it's think, good. I don't think either of these creams have been exemplary so far. No, but but that was a nice balance of sweetness to pistachio flavor. Okay, can we go chocolate? And I really like that it actually tastes like pistachio and not almond extract, mm-hmm. which is sometimes used to heighten what should be pistachio. We flavor. recently watched uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol. Um, as we do every holiday season, and there's the part where the uh, ghost of Christmas present calls a pistachio a pismachio, which is really fun to say. This chocolate one may be my least favorite. Hmm. I don't like the fla- the uh, texture of the chocolate cream. Mm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. I mean, I'm going to finish it. Yeah. Why do I never I mean, think to eat these? They're so delicious. Why do I not eat this more often? Mm. So I think, I think the creams here are all highly thickened. A lot of cornstarch, maybe. They're a little too stiff. Um, probably so that they will like hold up with like you know people will tourists will come in and and like get some eclairs and like bump they'll be bumping around all day and or they'll so be they, eating them on the street. I mean, there's no right. risk of a glob of pastry cream falling so out. I think of these. I think that's kind of what they're up against, mm-hmm. and so I think they you know working working within those difficult constraints. I think uh, they did an okay job. I think they've done a quite nice job. I'm into that, um, and it's super fun. Like I was so excited to go in and see three different flavors of eclairs. Yeah, uh, I believe that Rosalini's, which is the bakery next door to Delancey, uh, I believe Rosalini's makes. A couple of eclairs. Well, why didn't you bring any over? I don't know that they would have them this early in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other it's, thing. Like, I got there at, like, 8 o'clock, and, yeah. and they were stocked. Yeah. No, the, uh, Rosalini's is a smaller operation. 
Yeah, I don't know if they'd have them, but I bet they're delicious there. I feel like an eclair is the kind of thing that I don't think of it as something that I would eat for dessert after dinner. Yeah. I think of an eclair as like a special thing to have in the afternoon. Like I'm going to go meet up with a friend. Like, let's go get an eclair and like sit on a bench and eat it. Yeah. Like in a park in Toronto. Exactly. But now I want to like go to Rosalini's one afternoon and get an eclair and like feel the breeze in my hair as I eat my eclair and so on and so forth. I just made that up. You just wrote the pop hit of the summer. I just made that up. It's going to be a hot eclair summer. (laughs) It sure is. And that's how I like my eclairs served. Hot. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah, so they've got a full kitchen. Uh, they've got you can borrow appliances like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling you can borrow it no charge uh-huh so like you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post meeting drink you can bring your pet totally you, allowed oh I love this oh I see they even have special pet items you can yep. use and they have the built-in alpha closet system nothing makes me happier <laughs> when I am traveling and I have like a place to put away my clothes mm-hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes nobody wants to see nobody, that nobody yeah so like a whole closet system where I can really like unpack for reals I am down well this is made for you then and this is town place Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Need a cold coffee with a bold flavor? Dunkin' Cold K-Cup pods were specially crafted for cold coffee. Brew over ice straight out of the Keurig coffee maker for smooth, delicious Dunkin' taste you know and love. Find your next Dunkin' Cold coffee in the roasted coffee aisle. We haven't even talked about the history of these things, and we've already eaten them. Well, so for, for what is the what does the name mean? Ah, so in French, éclair means a flash of lightning. Wait, are you about to to go into an etymology without calling upon oh, Mister Etymology? Is Mister Etymology here? Yeah, but you're but today you're Mr. Etymology. Mr. Oh. Etymology is like a, a spirit of like a dead etymologist that can that can inhabit either of us. Oh, so we're both like mediums. Yes, who, who, we are. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, hi, I'm Mr. Etymology. <laughs> I am Mr. Etymology. <laughs> not may, that one, maybe not the hit of the summer. <laughs> okay. Anyway, <laughs> so eclair means flash of lightning. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, you'll encounter it in like, uh, you know. In a stormy night. In a stormy night. That's right. Uh, in a stormy night. <laughs> according to Wikipedia, uh, the pastry gets this name, well, for reasons that don't seem plausible to me. Not, neither of these reasons seem good. But here's what Wikipedia <laughs> thinks. Wikipedia thinks that the pastry is called an eclair because it is eaten so quickly i.e. in a flash. No, not nope, buying it. I'm not buying nope. it. Or possibly because the glistening of the glaze on top resembles lightning. Maybe. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Then, then why, like, do we call rain puddles eclairs? Like, they glisten. Maybe we do. Like, maybe, <laughs> maybe, uh, have you ever watched the French language version of uh, Peppa Pig? <laughs> <laughs> I was going on holiday. 
Want to eat lots of eclairs. Oh, daddy pig. <laughs> oh, so so the French language version is still in English, but they just do French stuff. Okay. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I was just riffing. Okay. So anyway, let's talk about the history of this, which I also found unsatisfying. No, okay, great. I thought you were going to say also found unsettling. No. So according to Wikipedia, uh, the eclair came about sometime in the 1800s in France, where it was called pain à la duchesse or petite duchesse, like little duchess, mm, okay. until around 1850. The word eclair first shows up in English and in French in the 1860s. Is that because like duchesses in France were, were reputed to have a body type that was like purely <laughs> straight up and down? That's right. That's right. Yes, uh, it was that the the eclair resembled the duchess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She had a very oily complexion. <laughs> in fact, the light glistened off of it. Candlelight glistened off of it uh, like lightning. Mm -hmm. Okay, no, I'm kind of into this, yeah. this duchess. Uh, anyway, so because I was unsatisfied with this explanation, I went looking in other places on the internet. Wow. Uh, on Serious Eats, I found an article by Christina Razon. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Uh, we'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, she says that eclairs are said to have been invented or popularized by Marie-Antoine Carême, mm -hmm. uh, who is considered to be one of the founders of modern French cooking. You've probably heard the, yes. the last name Carême. Uh, anyway, he lived from like the, the late 1700s to the first third of the 1800s. And he was considered like one of the early, like, I hate the term celebrity chef, but he was like... A chef who people actually like knew of widely. And Carême is French for creamy, and that also referred to his complexion, right? <sighs> no. Anyway, one of the first written mentions of eclairs in the U.S. is in Fanny Farmer's 1886 Boston Cooking School cookbook, where she oh. describes how to make them. Okay. So in any case, they seem to have come around sometime in the 1800s. We don't know how. We don't know why. But... Long, I mean, long live. Long may they reign. Long, long, long may this may duchess they, reign. Yeah, that's right. So, wait, so when did the name change from duchess bread to éclair? So we know that the word éclair was in use uh, in the 1860s. Okay. So, yeah. So it seems like it could have been like like a, you know, a marketing thing that like one bakery came up with and then everyone started using it. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe the early ones were squiggly. Maybe they were like <laughs> lightning bolt shaped oh. and they were meant meant to be shared. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they were like meant to be shared. It was like a fugace or something where you can yeah, like now, break off now sections of the, it. Actually, <laughs> uh, the law in France is you, you're not allowed to share them. You'll be cited. That's right. That's right. It's like the law that you or the law. I think it's still in effect where uh, a baguette is capped at a certain price yeah no i think so like um like they're like if it's a variation on a baguette that's you can get right. around it but like the standard one that's right like yeah. if you're selling like a baguette à l'ancienne mm -hmm. or like a fancy baguette you can jack that price up yeah baguette à foncienne Matthew, do you want to say anything else about eclairs? No, like I, it, this does make me want to like have start having like like eclair afternoons, like you said. I you feel know? like it, this could be a really nice thing to do with your spouse, like how you know we talked on the soft serve episode about how Lori uh, surprised you with like a little detour to the soft serve place when yeah. you were out on a walk. Like you guys could could go get eclairs. Yeah, an eclair detour. 
probably not even how you say detour. What about a tour de Claire? Yeah, that yeah. sounds good. You could you could do a walking tour of Seattle, stopping to eat at Claire's. Okay, yeah, but are there really like is it is it really as common? Like I I no no. I, I thought I thought it was going to be hard to find. It was it didn't turn out to be hard to find. But uh, I think that. You know, I'm formulating this thought as I say it, but I think that French pastries, even in like French bakeries in the U.S., I think they tend to skew toward breakfast pastries. Yeah. You know, I think when we think of of French pastries, we think of breakfast. Yeah. And lately, like more and more like macaron, like are just like taking over the whole pastry case. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even like I'm sure when when Le Penier opened in 1983, they didn't have a huge macaron selection, but now they do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Rosalini's, which I mentioned next to Delancey, has a a whole macaron. Should we do a macaron episode? I think we should. I feel like we would need to get a guest on, okay. like a, a pastry expert, because I've never tried making them and I don't intend to. And they're quite fiddly in yeah, terms no, I know of trying to, to get like, the feet. Yeah, you, and they, you have to like let them dry for a certain amount of time yeah, or something. Yeah, so we let, let's talk about who we want to get to come on the show. Like and, I'm, I'm like a, I have a, I have a phobia of piping anything. Like even I even like get a little scared when when I'm playing Super Mario Brothers, Um, (laughs) but like I'm just always afraid that that like the tip is gonna fall off or like the stuff is gonna come out the wrong end and like and like you know blast me. Yeah, the only thing I really pipe these days is the occasional batch of stuffed shells because my kid really loves stuffed shells, and inevitably the piping part. I feel like I'm pretty decent at it, but even then, like, it's just, it's always a mess. Yeah. And you, sometimes you smoke that corn cob pipe. <laughs> All right. Should is we move a corn on? cob pipe, is it like just a corn cob that's been like hollowed out and like whittled to resemble a pipe? I am so glad you asked because I, uh, my other podcast um, is, uh, it's it's called uh, uh, Smoking pipe. Paraphernalia of Yore. Yeah, it's, it's uh, S-P-O-I, Smoking smoking Paraphernalia of, of Yore or Spoy. Um, and uh, <laughs> like we, we, uh, we talk about, about uh, like <laughs> corn cob pipes, uh, cigarillos. Uh, uh, There's like cigarette holder things. Yeah, cigarette holder things like i feel like in the movie annie miss miss hannigan had maybe had a cigarette holder and when i was i thought it was so puzzling when i was a kid and wanted to know all about it my parents were like we don't we don't fucking know yeah Um, yeah this is something that has like shown up in movies for so long now that we've never actually seen someone authentically like there's no one alive who's seen someone who authentically uses a cigarette holder yeah i'm sure like some hipsters have done it ironically so to answer your question like as like like i'm you know i'm one of the internet's main pipe you go to you know you you've got a pipe question you come to me yeah so and, what's a corn and cob the pipe? answer is i have no idea like i assume either it's the thing you said or or it's like like wood carved to look like a corn cob or, oh, or God, maybe that would be cool yeah that'd be cool what's what's like the kind of like like big trumpety shaped pipe that that like sherlock holmes Oh, smokes. there must be a name. You know, my dad used to smoke a pipe. Really? This was before I was born. Mm-hmm. And my mom occasionally sort of gets this wistful look in her eye and talks about how she loved the smell of pipe tobacco. It, it smells good. Like my, I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but my... Um, elementary school principal smoked a pipe out, outside during recess, yes. which like, can you never, imagine never. A principal of an elementary school 
<laughs> smoking a pipe at school. <laughs> Did he also wear like a corduroy jacket with like elbow oh, patches? Yeah, he, and... he was like a dapper old man. <sighs> yep. I think his name was Herb. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So so join us like join us next time for our uh, our new segment, uh, Pipe Guys. Pipe. No. <laughs> pipe, uh, pipe listen people. to Matthew's new episode uh, or new podcast, Spoy. Spoy. Smoking uh, paraphernalia of, of your. your. <laughs> Let's move on to some segments. Okay. Do we have any spilled mail? We do. This comes from Listener Anonymous. Ooh. I have a redundant dessert story. So once again, this is this is a spilled mail that is in response to something we said or requested on a previous we... episode, and I do not remember what it yeah. was. Yeah, Okay. I have a redundant dessert story. We have friends who do an almost annual New Year's Day brunch that is a casual potluck. So one year, pre-pandemic, I brought the spice cake from Odalenghi slash Helen Goes Cookbook Suite. Not long after arriving, the mother of the host came up to our group and demanded to know who made the Odalenghi cake, which is how I found out I made the same cake as she did. She then proceeded to grill me on why mine was better. I used a homemade blend of Chinese five spice that gave it a different flavor, but hers came out denser and greasy. So our best guess was something in her technique. Our friend later came to tell me that her mother wasn't the best at following directions. No wonder this listener wanted to be anonymous. Following instructions and recipes. So that's the awkwardness of bringing a redundant dessert. But I don't think it really mattered since easily 50 people attended this brunch. I'd rather not use my name since I think the hosts may listen to your podcast. Yes. <laughs> Hi. Hi. I, I, you know, I think that this this uh, this letter came in response to a different letter where somebody mentioned like the horror of redundant right, desserts. Right. We were like, this has never happened to us. Yeah. Right? No, it's never happened. But to apparently, me. it it happens. Like, I feel I feel like there was a lot of humble brag in this letter, and I'm fine with that. Oh, I'm fine with it. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you are going to use a special Chinese five spice thing, and if you are better at baking than your friend's parents, you should definitely brag. Yeah, everyone who who fits those descriptions, <laughs> write in. We want to hear about it. No, no, I assume our listeners are the people who bring the best thing to the potluck. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. I want to give a shout out to uh, Diane. Diane, okay. you know who you are. All right. Diane, if you're listening to this, you, I bet might have a like a, a interesting baking story to write in and tell us. Okay. Yeah, let's hear it's, it. Here's Diane. a challenge to Diane. Diane is our neighbor who takes Gilbert to the park sometimes oh. for us. Yeah. Is this the moment where you find out that Diane claims that she listens to your podcast but actually she doesn't? Diane showed up recently to pick Gilbert up and was like, sorry, sorry I'm late. I was just, you know, driving around sampling all of your fast food favorites at all the different fast food places in town. Oh. And for a second I thought that it was true. I thought it was true. And then she laughed and, and said yeah, that it that's was a, a good joke. joke. But I was like, oh, Diane, you're the best. Anyway, yeah, I want to hear from Diane. you're the best. Yeah, I do too. Uh, Matthew, what are you snacking? Hey, what you snacking? You gotta tell me what you're snacking. Or I'll release the Kraken. So what you snacking? What you snacking? This uh, I had a, an amazing coincidence happen this morning. It's not going to seem as amazing as I just made it out to be. But uh, so uh, lately, I've been snacking uh, Bavarian meats, Landjäger. Have you ever had this stuff? No. It yes. is. Yes. 
I, I bet yes, you have. I have. Yeah, I bet you have. So Landjäger is a German salami stick that is in a very particular sort of flat rectangular uh, shape. So like like if you if you cut a cross section, it's sort of a, a, a elongated rectangle, and it's just a really satisfying shape that feels good to hold in your hand and like gnaw a bite off of. It's great great thing to bring like on a hike, and it's just the right density yes. to bite into. It's not hard enough that you would need to slice it, and it's not so soft that it's like a hot dog. Yeah, it's just a really satisfying meat snack and after I decided to put it on as my watch is snacking this week and Bavarian Ma- Meats is a is a venerable local maker of, of German style sausages and salamis in Seattle but uh, you know any Landjäger you find in your local market probably going to be pretty good. I was out walking this morning on my way to pick up eclairs for this episode and what should I pass on the ground but a wrapper from Bavarian Meats Landjäger that someone had littered. And oh. so I guess I'm, what I'm saying is I'm in favor of littering now. Great. At Ballard Market, they have uh, like near where they have all the like salad bar and cauldrons of soup and stuff, they have uh, like a bulk bin of Bavarian nice. meets Landjäger, and June likes to stop by there and get a couple to have around for snacks. It was a favorite snack of of Totsdi when they were little. Oh, like I would, I would so cut good. little chunks. They're so yeah. good. You know, I was recently really hungry at the grocery store. I was not at Ballard Market. I was at PCC, and they had Cremonelli brand. They yeah. called mini salamis. Yes. Oh, I know exactly. Those and are great. Those are yeah. great too. It's like a Landjäger, but like a, a a small baton shape, as opposed to that kind of flattened. Many years ago, we did an episode called Meat Sticks, but I think maybe we only talked about Vienna sausages and Little Smokies. That sounds right. That sounds like us. That sounds like us, yeah. Matthew, I have a now, but wow. So uh, this is like really old news. And because our listeners are the kind of people who always bring the best thing to the potluck and are always reading, you know, lots of books and are just generally excellent people. I mean, the good news is by the time this airs, it'll be even older news. Yeah. Yeah. I want to make sure that everybody is reading the poet Ada Limon, who is a uh, she's currently the um, the poet laureate of the U.S. Oh, OK. She has written many books of poetry. Her most recent one is called The Hurting Kind. Uh, It came out in 2022. She is one of those poets who who manages to write about like very uh, real or like non non rarefied, ordinary, sometimes even vulgar life. Oh, nice. And to write about it in a way that heightens it does that magical thing that poetry does of like making this leap to metaphor. I've been thinking about Ada Limon a lot lately because right around the end of the year, Ezra Klein of the Ezra Klein show Mm -hmm. re-ran an interview that he had done with her uh, in the middle of 2022. And I had missed it the first time around. I listened to it. It was like exactly the kind of thoughtful and delightful conversation I wanted to hear around the beginning of a new year. And it just got me fired up to read poetry again. So uh, all this to say, if you are not yet reading the work of Ada Limon, do it. All right. Our producer, the producer laureate of (laughs) of the podcasting world is Abby Circatella. That's right. Uh, You know what I want to mention today? Uh, So I teach workshops in writing. Yeah. And I am teaching two in-person workshops that are coming up in the first half of this year. One is in Santa Fe in late April. One is in Southern Colorado on a ranch 
in June. And you can find out about them at my website. So go to mollyweisenberg.com and you can click on the link for upcoming workshops. I would love to see you there. You don't have to be a writer. You just have to be interested in trying it. Yeah. Sign up for Molly's workshops. One of the best writing teachers around. Wow. Thanks, Matthew. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I think by the time this episode airs, we're recording it about a month ahead because Molly is going on parental leave. I think by now the first single from my upcoming EP will be available and we're just going to drop it in and force you to listen listen to it at the end of this podcast. Okay. Uh, It's called Cornerstones. It is uh, by my uh, band Early to the Airport uh, from our upcoming EP Departures, and it includes uh, incredible guest vocals uh, by Steph Hackett. And uh, here it is, Cornerstones by Early to the Airport.
Terrific. All right. Well, you can chat with other Spilled Milk listeners at our Reddit. That is, what is the actual thing? Oh, everythingspilledmilk.reddit.com. Terrific. Uh, and until next time, thank you for listening to Spilled Milk. You know, we too are shaped like duchesses. We t- we too, the two of us are are, are shaped like one duchess. No, are, 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 we're like we we look like two duchesses in a trench coat. <laughs> I'm Molly Weisenberg, and I'm Matthew Amster Burton. I almost said hello. <laughs> How many years have I been doing this show? <laughs> okay. Hello, hello, governor. <laughs> That's how we start every episode. Uh, Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Need a cold coffee with a bold flavor? Dunkin' Cold K-Cup pods were specially crafted for cold coffee. Brew over ice straight out of the Keurig coffee maker for smooth, delicious Dunkin' taste you know and love. Find your next Dunkin' Cold coffee in the roasted coffee aisle.